0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Living Fabe Wrestling Podcast, a podcast made by fans for fans. Glad to have you back. Today I'll be doing this Han-style solo. Uh, Sean's got prior engagements today, so you're stuck with just Jordan, which is okay because the man we're talking about today, the gimmick, is one of my favorites. I've been wanting to talk about him since day one. Um, Sean's not as over as I am, so it works out fine. Sean's going to put out, a, I think, a Lemon Chronicles by himself later in the week, so make sure to check that. But it is a cold October morning, which is fitting because the man we're talking about today, Raymond Lloyd Glacier. WCW Glacier. Now, for some of you who may not remember Glacier, he was a martial arts gimmick who definitely was inspired by the video games, movies of Mortal Kombat, game by Midway Games, and this was a game that was supposed to be inspired by Jean-Claude Van Damme, and that fell through, so instead what had happened was they made this fantasy fighting game. Badass video game, and if you wanted to kill somebody, you wanted to do a finisher, and you wanted blood, you wanted carnage You played it on Sega Genesis. Sega Genesis showed the blood that the other video systems at the time were not showing So his character was actually based off of or inspired from Sub-Zero now Sub-Zero was a lot of people including myself favorite character from the Mortal Kombat video games the movies And at the end, uh, if you've beaten your guy down enough, you get to have a finisher. (laughs) Sub-Zero wins. Fatality. As a kid, you could not wait to hear the word fatality. Anyways, let's go back to Raymond. Let's go back to Glacier. Uh, born 1964, Raymond actually has a legit martial arts background. But before we even get to the background, you know his family is a law enforcement family from Brunswick, Georgia. His father served as a commander in the Georgia State uh, Patrol for 28 years. Uh, his mother also, uh, Lois, she worked at the licensed division prior to her retirement in 99. And his twin brother uh, was also a retired state trooper. And you'll, you'll see in Glacier's outfit when he makes it to WCW that he actually has his father's badge number In his suit, which is very cool whenever you see that. Raymond and his brother were wrestling fans since day one. They used to go back to the Jacksonville Coliseum and watch shows. He actually graduated Brunswick High School in 1982 and played football. Uh, I think he was an offensive tackle for their football team for all four years. Um, He did become its first All-State player in his senior year. Now, I may butcher this, but... Early on, he started to study martial arts and he picked up Hung Gah. I wanna say that's how you pronounce it. Um, I believe he was 14 when he started this. And the technique of this martial arts is a deep low stance. It's notably the horse stance. You'll see this in the strong hand techniques that you use using this kind of martial arts. The, uh, the notable bridge hand and the tiger claw before learning any forms traditionally students would spend anywhere from months to three years just learning the stance just stance training they would be often they would have to be in the stance from a half hour to an hour to several hours at a time before learning any forms of this technique the school that he attended uh I do know that the owner, um, and he was taught by him, was a former government agent and U.S. marshal. The school did close in 1982, I want to say. And then in 1983, he began competing in the World Karate Association in the full contact tournaments, eventually winning the United States uh, Southeastern heavyweight, super heavyweight title. A little side note here, during his WKA stint, he was never knocked out or even knocked down. His only loss came on a disqualification. However, when the WKA did change its rules, um, I believe it was in 1985, to allow kicks from the knee up, uh, they used to be only from the waist up, Lloyd decided, you know, this. I'm just going to retire from uh, competition in order to... He didn't want to jeopardize his football scholarship by risking any kind of injury, which is, you know, definitely a smart move on Lloyd's part. He played center for Valdosta State University, and this actually happens to be the same college that WCW announcer Scott Hudson attended, which is also a really cool side note. He graduated in 1989 with a master's degree in education. All right, let's get into Lloyd's Early professional wrestling career. I'm talking between, let's say, 87, 95, 96, before he gets into WCW. Uh, He actually began shortly after his graduation. He was trained by Georgia grappler Fred Avery. And this was a makeshift ring that was set up in Fred's backyard. It was a way to cut his teeth on the Georgia independent circuit. And he did this for two years, during which he was given the name Sugar Ray. Sugar Ray Lloyd and this was given to him by Tommy Rich he joined World Championship Wrestling at the time you have to remember this was NWA and it was for their 1989 Great American Bash Tour and this is where he made his debut match Uh, it was a uh, a loss to Butch Reed in the uh, Albany, Georgia I think is where it was and he actually recalled in an interview with WCW Magazine back in 2001, that being in the same ring with a guy that big that could move like that was intimidating. He then went on to uh, work as an associate high school football coach in Marietta, and also the uh, Valdosta Junior High School. He once organized a one-time pro wrestling event in the Valdosta High School gymnasium in which he participated During weekends, he worked the Southern Championship Wrestling Shows while receiving further training from Mr. Wrestling 2 and Bob Armstrong. He moved to Atlanta in 1990, and again, he wrestled as Sugar Ray Lloyd, and he formed the tag team, The Blazers. Of course, he got this name from the Valdosta State uh, mascot. Additionally, he competed in the North Georgia Wrestling Alliance, and while there, he wrestled along future WCW stars, Scotty Riggs, Buff Bagwell, and the Disco Inferno. Lloyd's second stint in the WCW was when he was booked to be defeated by none other than the great Muda. This was at a house show, I think, in Atlanta. And following the match, at Muda's request, Lloyd joined Muda on a string of WCW house shows before he moved to Japan in 1993. He joined the UWFI as a guest of a shoot fighter Takata. And competed against Japanese and American fighters. Lloyd did return to the United States after the UWF folded in 1996. And during a conversation with a friend none other than Me, it's me, it's DDP, Diamond Dallas Page. He mentioned that he was planning to integrate martial arts into his wrestling which he had been unable to do during the early days of his career. So at DDP's request to then WCW president Eric Bischoff, who most of us already know, has a martial arts uh, background himself, he met Lloyd for uh, three hours and signed him to a contract. So now in WCW, he's finally got a full-time contract with the company. What do they do with him? Well, they learn of his martial arts background and they decide, hey, let's make this character. And like I said in the beginning, it was inspired by Mortal Kombat and Sub-Zero. So they start these awesome vignettes of Glacier full outfit on the top of these rocks with kind of like a darkened background, almost like Mortal Kombat, doing martial arts. Our world is about to change, then a shield with Asian writing starts to turn. It's like a uh, code you have to break, it opens, all these snowflake firefly looking things come out, it explodes, blood runs, cold comes across the screen, the shield puts itself back together. This is what you saw from these awesome vignettes. Then at the bottom, coming to WCW. They hinted to Glacier for quite a while, man. Uh, I think beginning in April of 1996 is when the new persona of Glacier began. Um, he was fictionally profiled in the October 1996 issue of WCW Magazine as having traveled to Japan to study a fighting style that combined martial arts and pro wrestling maneuvers. With a 400 year-old helmet passed down to him by his master instructor and the name Glacier, given to him by his sensei as a symbol of power, the power of the elements. Glacier was also given one of the most extravagant entrances in wrestling of all time. I remember the blue lights, him coming out with the martial arts, the amazing costume, with again, with his dad's badge number in it, Him doing the martial arts moves in the center of the ring where the lights were out, the blue light coming down, and the snow coming down from the ceiling. Just in production costs alone, his entrance amounted to nearly half a million dollars. The costume, the armor, $35,000. The number that was engraved into his armor was 126. That was his father's badge number for anybody who was wondering and it was on the um, the breastplate is where he had that. Glacier wore a blue contact lens as well in his right eye. and do know, it just kind of topped off the outfit. And I remember Bobby Heenan when they're talking about the seriousness and how much of a badass Glacier is. In true Bobby Heenan fashion, he I calls him a, I think, half-man, half-siamese cat. And... There was a, a time when the snow was coming down on Glacier. Again, they're talking about what a badass he is. Bobby Heenan says, Worst case of dander I've ever seen. I love Bobby Heenan. Let's go ahead and play this clip of Glacier on WCW Nitro with Bobby the Brain Heenan, Tony Schiavone, and Mike Tenay. In this clip, you will hear them talk about the history of the helmet that I was talking about earlier, and you'll get to hear... Bobby the Brain being Bobby the Brain. All right, here on the second hour, we're going to start out with a dandy fight today, the man named Glacier, who burst on the scene here in 1996 with a unique style, a neat combination of styles in our sport and a rich background. Glacier is here, and you can better believe he's going to be a force in the upcoming 1997 year. Of course, Glacier has that rare combination, the professional wrestling skills and the martial arts skills. The name Glacier was given to him by his master instructor. It symbolizes rather the awesome power of all the elements. That helmet that you see him carry to the ring is several hundred years old. It was passed down from master to his top student. It's priceless to Glacier because of the historical value behind it. Get a good look at Glacier here. This man will amaze you with the things he can do. He's a big man. He's a skilled man. He's a very, very dangerous man. That's a great point. He's a very, very dangerous man. the worst yeah! case of dandruff I've ever seen. <laughs> there it is. The worst case of dandruff I've ever seen. Bobby the Brain Heenan being only Bobby the Brain Heenan. Uh, that was when the snow was coming down on top of Glacier's head and, you know, one of the most badass entrances I think. Um, he would come out and at the second turnbuckle he would climb to it, take the helmet face mask off. Um this would almost take up to two minutes sometimes. And Glacier, he was naturally a brunette. He did dye his hair uh from April to December of ninety seven. Intended to debut in July, but due to the impact of the New World Order debuting at Bash of the Beach, uh, that kind of put a, a little sand still on Glacier. His debut was delayed indefinitely. WCW worked into a feud with Big Bubba Rogers. Um, some of you know him as Big Bubba Rogers. Some of you know him as Big Boss Man, who criticized Glacier's hype uh, and the overlong wait of his arrival in the interviews he did on Nitro with the Dungeon of Doom. The Dungeon of Doom, of course, are the ones who back in the day just made Hulk Hogan's life a living hell. Uh, his debut finally occurred uh, occurred on September 9th, 1996 um, on an episode of Pro, and that's when the first clip that we played of Glacier today, that was the debut of Glacier on WCW Pro. When he pinned the uh, gambler, I don't actually remember the gambler. He came out with, I think, a deck of playing cards, uh, which was one of, I think, only two matches that he had with the finisher being the cryonic kick finisher. Um, He would do that off the top rope before it was changed to the spinning reverse roundhouse kick, which, when he did this roundhouse kick... It was beautiful. So it ended up being the spinning reverse roundhouse kick, the better option for the Glacier, fin- the Glacier finish. It was just, it was poetry to see him do this move. Uh, Glacier then defeated Bubba on his Nitro debut, which is was September 16th, and that was ending the very brief feud that they had. The original costume and the blue lighting, they were scrapped, after only, I think, his fourth match, um, a pinfall victory on Nitro. I think it was on September 30th is when they they scrapped that. Um, following a 10-week hiatus off of WCW television, he reappeared on Nitro on December 2nd. And that's when he debuted the new ring outfit and entrance. He then pinned hard-body Harrison in a 60-second squash match. Now, the Blood Runs Cold, the promos, the vignettes of him as he was coming in, Blood Runs Cold ended up being the tag for a feud that he would soon be encountered with Mortis. I remember as a kid, I, I really did like Mortis. I liked them both, and I remember this feud. After spending... I don't know, the beginning of WCW in the mid-card range. Uh, It wasn't until March of 97 that Glacier was put into his first long-term feud, and that was with Mortis, who was depicted as, uh, in the storyline anyways of Glacier, as an Asian pit fighter who was one of the manager, uh, James, what was his name, James Vandenberg? collection of rare oddities. I don't know if you guys remember the rare oddities in WCW, but he had shared a history and storyline. He had shared a history with Glacier as an Asian pit fighter. So this is what started the feud between Mortis and Glacier, which ran for a long time. And the angle was titled, Blood Runs Cold. The slogan had not been used since, well, the vignettes of his debut uh, the previous year that had stopped airing. Glacier defeated Mortis in the pay-per-view debut for both of them. So this was both of their first pay-per-view. Glacier gets the win over Mortis. It was at uncensored on March 16th. But after the match, Wrath, who we all remember uh, in WCW, he made his first appearance as Vandenberg's then-unnamed newest member uh, of the Rare Oddities. The both of them double teamed Glacier for quite a while post-match. Post-match assaults by Mortis and Wrath became kind of a common thing in WCW with Glacier on Nitro. Uh, Slamboree, that would have been the 18th of May, ended in a disqualification after less than, I believe, two minutes when Wrath attacked him from behind. Mortis and Wrath then had their way with him for several minutes before Ernest the Cat Miller, who entered the ring from the crowd, came in and interfered to help Glacier. Glacier then ended up forming a tag team with Miller, mainly in the lower card matches against Luchadors. This went on for quite a while after Mortis and Wrath finally won their first encounter in the feud. Uh, This would have been at Bash of the Beach July 13th. This tag match where Glacier lost, this was actually Glacier's first loss in WCW. So it, it did end Glacier's Undefeated streak. ECW um, shut this story angle down uh, pretty quickly, really, because they couldn't further uh, evolve the characters or the storyline. And as a result of this, never really got closure on how they met, why they despised each other. Uh, it's, it's sad because I would have really loved to have gotten some of that backstory and really made the whole feud kind of have some closure. On September 1st, nearly one year after his debut, Glacier was handed his first singles loss against Buff the Stuff, Buff Bagwell. He and Miller lost their second consecutive pay-per-view in November to the Faces of Fear. This would have been at World War III. Following this, Glacier ended up Ending his year with a squash match at the hands of Bill Goldberg on December 27th. But listen, at this time, if you lost to Bill Goldberg, don't take it personally. The guy was on a, you know, he was on a win streak. Um, see you again until Oscar in NXT. But this is kind of what kills me. Despite an undefeated singles period between September of 1996 and in August of 1997, Glacier remained stuck in the mid-card ranks. This begins Glacier being booked as a heel. Um, he was booked as a heel in 1998. This actually started with an edition of WCW Saturday Night on January, I believe, 24th. It was a rematch teamed with Miller against Mortis and Rath. Glacier and Miller were actually set to go against each other in a program two weeks earlier, but it was called off because Glacier was again attacked by Mortis and Wrath off-screen beforehand. During the tag match, Glacier did turn on Miller, allowing Mortis and Wrath to get the win. This brought the Blood Runs cold angle to an official close. As Mortis and Wrath were split up from Vandenberg's Group and moved into uh, singles ranks. So, you know, Glacier then, he moved on. He, he started a new feud with Perry Saturn. And this feud lasted, uh, I think, between 98 through 99, maybe the entire year. He had a promo uh, mid-May on Nitro. I think it was May 11th. And he, in this promo, declared that the cryonic kick finisher was his own move and he threatened to take out anybody who used it. He then had a match with Sick Boy from Raven's Flock on May 18th. Saturn unsuccessfully interfered with the match. It did not help Sick Boy get the win. Glacier got the win, and this started several matches with members of Raven's Flock. He and Saturn then uh, had alternated wins on WCW Thunder. Most notably, the aspect of the angle was that Canyon, who had recently shed his Morris gimmick, so Mortis comes back, and now he's Canyon. He was regularly uh, conducting sneak attacks on Raven and the flock in various disguises. On the June 4th edition of Thunder, Canyon, disguised as referee Nick Patrick, entered the ring and took out Saturn with a Russian leg sweep. This allowed Glacier to get the win and flashed the Mortis mask to Glacier before leaving the ring to let him know, hey, I got that win for you. Flashing that mortise mask, it was, it was cool. It was symbolic and it, I loved it. Uh, unfortunately, Glacier suffered a severe knee injury during the main event of a nitro at the end of June, in which he lost to the United States Champion, Goldberg for the fourth time. and what would be his only WCW title challenge. That's the only time he ever got a championship title shot. Think about that. This guy was 12 months undefeated. He had a really cool gimmick. It was in a time of gimmicks. And that's the only title shot this man ever got. It just... Uh, it just drives me nuts. But he kept the extent of the injury hidden until after the match. So he finished the match with a severe knee injury. Uh, he left the ring under his own power, though. He walked out on his own. But under uh, he had rehabilitation. It proved unsuccessful. So he underwent knee surgery. He returned to the ring for the first time in over four months and debuted his new finisher, a version of Terry Gordy's, Thumb spike, dubbed the Ice Pick. Perfect, right? It's an awesome name for him. For a submission victory over, I think it was Chris Adams. I think that's when he debuted this. Um, you might want to fact check me. I'm pretty sure it was Chris Adams. On November 16th, Glacier, Canyon, and Wrath reunited for the first time since the demise, the end of the Blood Runs Cold Angle. When Glacier and Canyon were scheduled to face each other on Nitro after Wrath fought Raven in the previous match. But Raven's refusal to wrestle, despite coaxing by Canyon, saw it called off. Wrath then took out his frustration by pummeling both Glacier and Canyon inside the ring before their opening bell. So Raven refused to wrestle. Wrath got pissed, took out his frustration on Canyon and Glacier. This was all before the opening bell. But the match commenced, nonetheless, with Canyon ultimately scoring the pin. Glacier made his final WCW pay-per-view appearance with a loss to Wrath at World War III on November 22nd. He then closed out the year with another series of matches against Saturn on Thunder and Saturday Night, in which Miller's manager, Sonny Ono, repeatedly interfered. Now by early 1999, Glacier was booked to lose to lower card opponents, so WCW could finally bury the character and allow Lloyd to transition into a new one. This came to a head on February 6th. This is when he was pinned on Saturday night by Al Green. Some of you will know him as AKA Rage as one half of the tag team, the Wrecking Crew. Lloyd had not appeared on television following the end of the Glacier character, but he, alongside Gene Okerlund, Alex Wright, and other WCW wrestlers, attended the public grand opening of the Nitro Grill. How many of you guys remember the Nitro Grill at the Excalibur Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas? That would have been on May 22, 1999. But as we all know, the restaurant only lasted 16 months, And closed in September of 2000. Let's move on to August 19th, 1999. Lloyd had made his first television appearance in six months. This time it was on an episode of Thunder in the first of several promos as his new character, Coach Buzz Stern. Featuring longtime independent wrestler Luther Biggs, the clips were filmed at the WCW power plant and served to introduce... The storyline of Stern choosing the clumsy Biggs as his protégé. These would air until the end of September when Biggs was pinned by Bobby Eaton in his first in-ring debut on Thunder. Stern put Biggs in the post-match for Nelson. This was as a punishment. His protégé had lost, and this is how he repaid him. Over the following month, Stern served as Biggs manager for only three additional matches. These were a squash match to Ming on Thunder, uh, a pinball victory over Dave Burkhead on Saturday night, and a match against Barry Dawson wrestling as Blacktop Billy on Worldwide, which Biggs won only after Stern's outside interference. Stern's character was inspired by Lloyd's days as a high school football coach prior to his WCW career. He had received build-up in Mark Madden's weekly WCW.com column. He received kind of an indifferent reception from fans. And after Lloyd himself wrestled his only match as Stern on an episode of Thunder, it was early November, and it was a loss to Eddie Guerrero, which there's no shame in losing to Eddie Guerrero. The angle was shelved, and both Stern and Biggs were removed from television. Lloyd was one of many wrestlers released by the company on November 21, 1999 as part of a cost-cutting measure, which we all know by this time, WCW was a sinking ship. Uh, But, you know, this wasn't the end of his wrestling career. Lloyd and Dusty Rhodes co-founded Turnbuckle Championship Wrestling in 2000 which held shows throughout the Southeast. And it also featured WCW castoffs like Scotty Riggs, Barry Windham, Big Ron Studd. Lloyd wrestled under his real name and was the first TCW heavyweight champion from July to October 2000 when he was dethroned by Windham. Now, he did eventually return to WCW in January of 2001, Glacier was played out in an angle as a superhero parody, kind of, I don't know, making fun of himself in a way. He was a, he wasn't the badass we all remembered. He was more of like a kind of a joke. Um with him pleading with uh to watch Smiley's back during matches. Just he pleaded with him to say, hey, you know, let me let me get your back. Let me let me go out there with you. Lloyd never wrestled a single match when he came back to WCW. The angle was ended, and Glacier was not seen again following the skit on February 7th edition of Thunder, which he was pummeled off-screen by Sean O'Hare inside his dressing room. I hate that he came back for that. Lloyd left WCW, which seized operations only six weeks later anyways, so, you know, it's fine. Nobody's going to remember That part of Glacier. We're all going to remember the badass Glacier. He would return to the independent circuit. On April 21st, he won the TCW Tag Belts, and I think it was with Jorge Estrada. I'm 99% sure. I know one of the highlights of Lloyd's wrestling career was fulfilling a childhood dream of winning the NWA World Tag Team titles, which he did accomplish with Jason Sugarman on December 28th of 2002. In 2002, he rejuvenated his Glacier gimmick to tag with Big Ron Stud, uh, with whom he won the tag titles for a second time in his TCW stint on January 3rd. He would go on to win the TCW Heavyweight Championship for a second time. And after TCW folded in 2003... Lloyd made sporadic appearances with the Georgia Championship Wrestling. He held a backstage position with TNA Wrestling for a little bit. he took part in the Ultimate Christian Wrestling's Ultimate Armageddon Tour in 2006. He participated in the King of Trios tournament in Philadelphia on March 2nd of 2008. He even feuded with TNA and IWA star Ricky Vega on the Florida Independent Circuit in 2008. He made a return appearance in the 2009 King of Trios Tournament on March 27th and 09 teaming with Al Snow and Dilo Brown. make a return to a major wrestling promotion in 2017, when he entered at number 20 in Ring of Honor's Honor Rumble, uh, he would be eliminated by Bully Ray. And in 2020, we're still talking about Glacier. April 1st, 2020, episode of AEW Dynamite, this is 45 minutes into the show. Cody Rhodes refers to Ray Glacier Lloyd as the trainer of a debuting wrestler named Anna J. How cool is that? We're still talking about Glacier. You know, he wasn't just a wrestler. He did have an acting career. Uh, Lloyd pursued an acting career in film and television. He even unsuccessfully auditioned for a part of Walker, Texas Ranger back in 97. How on earth did a guy with his background not get the part on Walker, Texas Ranger? That doesn't matter because he did score a low budget movie uh, titled Bloodbath in 2002. He guest starred in the season final of the USA Network series Burn Notice, that aired on September 20th, 2007. He also worked as a stuntman at the Disney MGM Studios in Orlando, Florida, playing the part of flight engineer in the Indiana Jones epic stunt spectacular show until November 2004. Um, if you are interested in going back and checking out some of his movies, uh, you know, he was in Bloodbath, 2002, A Conspiracy, 2003, Hell's End, 05, uh, No, Popsy, 06, Loaded Dice, 07, River of Darkness, 2010, Panama City, 2011, just to give you a few to go back and watch if you're interested in checking out some of his film work. But, uh, you know, I'm really glad we got to do a piece on Glacier, He's one of my favorite gimmicks in wrestling. I wish he would have had a run with a title in WCW. I wish we would have seen more of him. Again, one of the greatest entrances and, uh, you know, A-class guy. So thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of Living Kayfabe. If you get a chance, go back, get on the network, watch some of his old matches. Definitely worth the time. Uh, If you want to see a guy with a hell of a roundhouse kick... Again, go check him out. This has been Living Cafe Wrestling Podcast The Glacier Story. Finally, ah, ring the bell.